Welcome to Cabot Coverage, the podcast where three sisters and a beloved family friend discuss the crime-solving adventures of mystery novelist Jessica Fletcher on Murder, She Wrote. I'm Susanna. I'm Megan. I'm Glynis. And I'm Ashley. And tonight we're talking about Killer Radio, which is episode 14 from season 9 and originally aired on the 14th of February, 1993. Killer Radio was written by Carlton Hollander, who only wrote two episodes of Murder, She Wrote. Can anybody else guess what the other one might be? Also from 1993. And also to do with really cutting-edge tech. Road Jam Records. (laughs) Close, actually close. It's not the virtual reality one, is it? Ding, ding, ding. It is that one. It's called The Virtual Murder, and he only wrote these two episodes. Well, that's so fair. I haven't seen that one. (laughs) I'm not going to lie to you, Glynis. You weren't expected to participate in that bit. (laughs) (laughs) You haven't seen these ones. Um, (laughs) It did seem a little harsh. So, Killer Radio finds Jessica visiting Easton... We're not sure of the state, but somewhere in the Midwest to see her publisher's lawyer's son, Jonathan Baker, played by Stephen Caffrey, who is helping out a radio station called KGAB Radio, which is run by divorcing couple Louise Anderson Crow, played by Lindsay Krauss, and Colin Crow, played by Lyman Ward. They have a shock jock radio host there called Marcus Rule, played by Jeff Yeager, a PR lady called Rhonda Simmons, played by Georgia Emelin, and I guess a producer called Danny Cochran, played by Harry Guardine, Guardino, 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 sorry. And um, so, yeah. So at the opening of a new transmitter, Colin Crow is found dead. There's a lot of shenanigans. He was, you know, sleeping with Rana, who's kind of dating Jonathan and, I mean, basically, you think it could be Marcus Rule because he seems to not like Colin Crow either. Marcus is a really unlikable guy, and we'll get into more details about his um, shtick. But basically, in a nutshell, it ends up... Oh, also, Jonathan is, of course, accused of the murder, and Jessica has to get him off. And it turns out it was Danny Cochran because he was in love with Louise Anderson Crow, and she was about to leave the station, and he didn't want Colin Crow to take over the station, so he killed him. And yeah, so it's it's actually kind of a straightforward one, even though I think guessing who it is might be kind of difficult. So I think where we want to start with tonight, we don't normally start with this one actually, is age ain't nothing but a number. Because looking at the ages, and Megan specifically had mentioned about this, but you have a couple of couples that there's quite a gap. So... First of all, you've got the Rana, Colin, Jonathan love triangle. Rana is 24 years old. Mm-hmm. Colin, as you might expect, is 52. But Jonathan is 34. So he's also 10 years older than her. And Louise and Danny, Danny's in love with her. Louise is 45. And Danny is 68. And, okay, this leads me to my question. So he, what year did this come out? 1993. Okay, okay. Time to do math. Gonna take me a second. Um, well, because I, I kept thinking she was calling him just a kid. I know this gets a little weird, but like daddy uh, at first. And I was like, oh, wait, no, but for 
father is dead. And then I was like, wait, wait, no, he's talking about her in a very like romantic sense. And so it, it did throw me for a loop. And then I immediately Googled their ages. Well, first of all, I, yeah, only, it only struck me as like, I, it was clear that he wasn't her dad, but that they had like this paternal relationship. Yeah. And then it's like, but at the end he's like, oh, and I had, um, whatever, Louise, and then I went to Vietnam, and then, it's so it's like, she was born in 1948, so when the Vietnam War was happening, if they had gotten together before that, she would have been, like, 20, and, like, and he would have been been 43. (laughs) Wait, do you get drafted to Vietnam if you're over 40? I mean, I guess, I I don't know, but also, I was just like, wait, what? (laughs) Well, I think I think you're meant to think she doesn't know, and to be honest, nobody knew because watching it, I was like, I had no idea. I thought it's like what you're saying, Megan. They were just sort of friends, and he he was like a father figure to her at the radio station and all this stuff. But mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's all bad, <laughs> you know. And it's like yeah. this whole thing of like where you have to kind of I think because she's a woman over forty, it's like yeah, I mean. By that point, any might guy. as well roll it up to seventy, yeah. right? You know? Yeah, I like, more troubled by the fact that she would have been like in her late teens, maybe early twenties, right? <sighs> you know. <laughs> well, because yeah, because even just between her and Colin, there's seven years, so it's like she's already married an older guy, but not like that much older. But it's like I don't know. There's just a lot of like. And I guess you're meant to think Jonathan and Rana are the same age. That's what I thought. She's so she's also quite a bit younger than him. So she I don't know. Twenty four though. Well, this is the nineties where they make them look all a bajillion years old because they dress them in nothing but brown and like kind of not. She it's not like it's not till the end that we see her in a headband. <laughs> <laughs> she's yeah, and she's got quite like dowdy, like certain yeah. on. So, um, yeah, I mean, also it's like the whole thing where it's like she obviously was dating Jonathan and then left him to be with Colin, and then it's like I'm really sorry I made a mistake, and it's like that's kind of a big deal, isn't it? But they're treating it like it was just like you know he needed to win her back and it's like well she's sort of cheating on you (laughs) yeah I don't know my other kind of beef with this not beef because I like the shock jocks the stuff with the shock jock is really funny we'll obviously get to that later but like the other characters in this are kind of boring Mm -hmm. Jonathan was crazy annoying to me did anybody else feel that way I like I could 100%. hardly stand when he was on screen and it's not, he's totally cute. I wrote down that he was a poor man, Zach Gash again. Is that what his name is? The guy yeah. from Gremlins. Oh, Jack. Uh, is it not, Zach? Zach Galligan, right? Galligan. That's what it is. Not Gaffigan. Galligan. Yeah. Well, let me make and, sure. um, But he's like, oh God, can you imagine someone sitting down to dinner with you and being like, 
has just been traveling the states and taking odd jobs and learning about the people and blah 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 and you're like oh my god how condescending is all this stuff i just oh like my dad will never experience this because he just lives out of his suitcase you're like shut (laughs) up now that i know that he's 34 (laughs) and he's having his dad's client (laughs) client check up on him (laughs) but jessica jessica did say that he was also a close family friend okay okay all right she did and when he did the impression he went who do who i can't remember what he said (laughs) that's just like carter it's like oh it's the same words well and then when when she was like can i have 10 minutes and he's like don't make it a second longer we have a lot to catch up on i was just like ew stop this guy's the worst you know when i knew he was the worst apart from the entire episode was when she came out of the sheriff's station and he was like hunkered down on the hood of his car like he jumped up on the hood of his truck to like throw a fit i was like this guy sucks (laughs) i was thinking because i was thinking about that and i was like the effort to like the display of like (laughs) hopping on your truck and then like pouting. And I was just like, I was kind of thinking to myself, would I ever do that? Would I ever just like hop on the roof of my car or the hood of my car and be like, and like wait for someone? I'd probably just sit inside. Yeah, he's clearly waiting for someone to see him. Yeah. He's like, Jessica, I'm upset. She's like, you're 34. (laughs) If he dropped out of law school, that means he dropped out of law school 10 years ago. <laughs> no, I, you know, it's funny because last week, you know, we had Horace, who I thought was just intolerable. And now I'm like, you know what, Jonathan, <laughs> Horace not look so bad. Well, because Horace wasn't boring. He just was sort of weird. Whereas Jonathan is like, you sort of, it's funny, like, thinking of this episode. I had completely forgotten he was in it. And that's no reflection on the actor or anything like that. It's just the character is sort of just one of these young people she visits that, mm-hmm. you know, doesn't have a personality that, you know, likes this girl, even though the only thing they seem to have in common is that they're the only, quote-unquote, young people that live in this town. And that's sort of it. Yeah, the other thing was, too, is I thought she, I thought Rana was not interesting either. No. I was like, boring. Yeah, even her affair was, like, boring. Like, he's totally leaving his wife, and then she walks out, and he's making out that, like, that brunette, and it's like, I don't know. And they never, okay, I don't want to, like, bag on this episode, because I do enjoy it, and I would like to get to the Marcus rule parts, which I think are funny, but, like, this whole thing, (laughs) I think it's so kind of lame and confusing where they're he's using Marcus rule to besmirch this other guy that we I mean like maybe we met him for like two seconds Osterman yeah he shows up at the oh I forgot about him to be honest yeah like I was like we what (laughs) for the investors so some investors at the radio station don't want this guy elected for whatever reason. It's the transportation department. But this is like the this is classic sound of murder stuff where you're like some sort of financial wheeling dealing kind of thing. Be like, we don't need to go into too much detail about it. It's like I'd like a little more detail. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> well, because they open it with that, and you're like, okay, this is going to be like a major plot point, like this guy running for like some sort of office, mm-hmm. and then he's in it for two scenes, yeah. uh, maybe five minutes total. And we find out that he's sleeping with Louise, but this is another thing <laughs> that Sound of Murder did that was the same where people say they're hooking up, but there's no scene of them together. So the only scene we see of Rana and Colin together, he ignores her. And, you know, that could be because he doesn't want to show that he's having an affair, but it seems genuine that he has no interest in her. And Osterman confronts Louise, and again, there's no, like, I don't know, scene of them together. She just says, oh, yes, we, you know. Well, and then she tells Jessica that she has, like, these pictures of, like, a prominent politician in bed with someone else's wife. And Jessica's like, you were the wife, right? (laughs) She's like, yeah. Like, I did not see that coming either. (laughs) I know. Like, who? (laughs) No elaborate. Like, who's this Osterman monster? (laughs) And then she And then she goes, oh, you're trying to use me as like a character witness. And I was like, I don't know how we've gotten there. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I was seriously confused when she said that. I was like, what is happening? Like, I felt like it was just like, like, didn't make any sense to me. It just sounded like she was trying to like... It's like, it's fine for Jessica to confront somebody about their wrongdoing. It's not okay for them to invite her over and tell her about their wrongdoing. Like, they have to give it to her not willingly or something. Because she gave her the information right away. She seemed to have no compunction about telling her. And then it was like, you better, what did she say? I did write it down. Louise says, I didn't kill Colin. And Jessica goes, I certainly hope you didn't. It's like, I'm coming for you. You're like, why? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think the difference with Sound of Murder is A, there's that amazing song in it, but also, like, the characters I thought were more interesting. Well, the ones you like in this one are, like, it's Marcus Rule, isn't it? That's it. That's the person you remember. And And Danny, I suppose. The the crappy husband, because he was playing, like, a, a specific type of role. Mm -hmm. i'm such a jerk and you're like how did this like really sweet lady end up with him but that's that's a typical kind of murder shiro his boxy 90s suit that was really long no he was but that long suit it's just like oh this is a real time capsule that suit because it's just like comes the blazer comes to like mid thigh (laughs) (laughs) it's just like a zoot suit (laughs) it is a zoot suit but the thing was i think that guy must have been pretty tall because he could kind of pull it off but it's like yeah and a shorter man (laughs) yeah that that suit jacket would come up to like my ankles (laughs) (laughs) i have a question okay before we dive too much into rule what what was the blackmail that he was doing on Colin? Well, Marcus, because it Marcus didn't have yeah because it Colin had blackmail on Marcus, right? Uh, uh-uh. no, Marcus threatened to file something with the FCC, like phone calls and scrapbooks. I didn't understand. Oh yeah, because he I had been documenting showing... that Colin had yes. been telling him to say stuff about Osterman that wasn't substantiated, and the yes. FCC would have oh. come for them because Got it right. wasn't like. 
because that's what Louise was saying was that the PI hadn't found anything on Osterman. So they've been making it up. But surely that versus like 14 year old girls. Like, I don't think that those are like equally balanced blackmail. Well, I think the one would potentially get you jail time. I mean, in the 90s, who knows? But, it, but, the other one, I guess he would lose the station. So that is pretty bad for Colin. Not so much having to go to jail, but I guess that is illegal though, isn't it? To report on stuff you know isn't true? Yeah, probably some kind of a federal, I mean, especially if you could prove that they were doing this, you know. Deliberately. Yeah. I mean. Hey, Megan, is it a RICO crime? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I have. I thought Marcus didn't know that, what was the bad husband's name, Lionel? Colin. Colin. That Colin knew this stuff about him from his past, that he was like a two-bit sports reporter who liked 14-year-old girls. I mean, it sounds like Danny had the same problem. I mean. Well, yeah. And honestly, if Colin wanted to talk, he's dating a 24-year-old. He's 52. Like, Come on, guys. And he just enlisted in the army to go fight in Vietnam or I something? Mean, yeah, let's see the years of the... Okay, this is... How old's Marcus here? Let's fight. Let me just go okay. back. I did I'm write going, this I'm down. going with... I'm going to guess, and I'm going to go with, like, 32. Ashley Craw. You clairvoyant. He's 32 years old. <laughs> Marcus Rollins. Yeah, you know what, you guys? I hate to say it. He was my biggest hug. Oh, yeah. I mean, I hate to He's all super cute. <laughs> I mean, he had like a, a lion's mane's worth of hair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Marcus Rule, I appreciated. I must have used a ton of conditioner on that mane because his hair looked I mean, soft, he used super like soft. coconut oil or something. <laughs> like, that was like a deep condition. Like, he definitely he used a lot. He definitely used the mayonnaise method. <laughs> yeah, he's like, yeah, I use my, my egg in my hair to it as a mask. It had perfect curvature. <laughs> like, his hair was great. Guys, I've gone deep into something. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I'm scared. Yeah. Okay. I mean. You should be. <laughs> essentially, the U.S. was in Vietnam. Oh my god, Megan. I was wondering what <laughs> hole you went yeah, down, no. and I was unexpected that it was going to be Vietnam. 1955 to 1973, it seems like maybe, let's say 1964, more and more Americans began to come. I just want to make a point that in 1964, Lindsey Krauss would have been 19 years old, and he would have been <laughs> 42. So what you're saying is, let the one with no sin cast the first stone, right? All these dudes are bad dudes. <laughs> They're all dating women that are too young yeah. for them. Yeah, all three of them were. Yeah, yeah, all of them bad. And Murder, She Wrote is like, listen, we draw the line at 14, but as long as they're over 18, it's a like 24-year-old girl dating a man that old. It's like, guys, it's... Obviously, everybody's relationship is different, but that does seem a little bit strange. I'm surprised. So yeah. Marcus liked 14-year-olds. Colin <laughs> was dating a 22-year-old, and Danny was in love with a 24-year-old? 
No, he was in love. Well, he was in well, love with someone twenty years younger than him. Oh, so, I hear. Do you want to go by age differences? Okay, yeah. so let's summarize. We have <laughs> we have uh, twenty eight years for mm-hmm. Colin and Rana, mm-hmm. twenty three years for Danny and Louise, mm-hmm. and Marcus would be <laughs> eight, eighteen years. <laughs> That's still the worst one. Okay, we have now, this is also Sound of Murder stuff. This is the second episode where you know somebody's bad news because their vests are too loud. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I also did, did anyone get what print was on that first vest? It looked like checkers. It, it was very hard to tell. <laughs> it was checkers that had like gold streaks on it. And then like some like little like Christmas light decor down it. I, I, lots of questions on that i tried to look very closely at the screen well and i also i made a note this is now the second episode we've watched where someone's referred to the town that they're at as a jerk water town yeah and i classic i enjoyed that i it's funny because like this guy that plays marcus he's in a couple of other murder shows but he's in one called the cemetery vote where he plays a really bad deputy that's oh, like yes, kind know. of evil. But it's like, that's because this is what this guy is. He's handsome, but in a way that makes him look like an a-hole. Like that's <laughs> sort of his, like, whereas the other guy's cute. Like he's sort of 90s cute. This guy is like, he just looks like he'd do something he shouldn't be doing. So it's like, <laughs> that's why he always plays these parts. He's never the bad guy but he is a bad guy. So it's, you know, I don't know. One scene I want to talk about was when they were at um, the, like, cocktail party, I think. And it was so weird. So it's first Jessica and Louise talking. And Louise is just talking at Jessica, and she's listening. Basically, Jessica is silent for, like, five minutes, I'd say. (laughs) So Louise is talking at her. And then it cuts to just, like, jessica's face like i don't know if they needed to like have some like filler in the episode because then it's just jessica silent like shaking her head but like only her and then louise goes away and then marcus walks up and he's like talking at her and then again it cuts to jessica a very similar same like video of just like her (laughs) so standing there just like shaking her head not saying anything and then he walks, he said some like final point and walks away. And it was, it was very weird. Do you think this is like a Blade 3 thing where like according to Ryan Reynolds in Blade 3, there's a whole <laughs> sequence where he's in the car, meant to be in the car with Wesley Snipes and Wesley Snipes refused to be in any of the two shots. So every sequence, it's just Wesley Snipes filmed his bit on his own and Ryan Reynolds <laughs> had to film his bit on his own and then they kind of patched it together. And it's like, do you think that by season nine, Angela's like, no. here's how many days I'm showing up to the set. <laughs> You've got to film all my reaction shots in one go. And everybody has to film their side of the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just feel kidding. She'd like never this. do that. <laughs> and it, it, it was like almost identical, like cut. <laughs> right. I think it's more like what you said in the beginning, which is that they kind of, I think they kind of ran out of like things for the episode to happen. Mm. And so then, yeah, then there's like this 
<laughs> five five minute long party and yeah that is where he gets killed but it's like a lot of stuff is happening that you're like oh it's not that interesting well like the stakes here couldn't be lower <laughs> right it's like a it's like a small town radio station that obviously is struggling except they've managed to hire this shock jock who is <laughs> i guess interesting for people and then it's like the one guy's bad and he is just in it for the money, but you're like, it is a business. Like, I'm not sure what love of the radio is. Sort of, you know, I don't know. Serious investors that were just like coming after the, the other, right. <laughs> the, the politician, like, what was he doing? And then all this stuff about, oh, if we don't get the transmitter working. <laughs> It, it, I mean, each Evan's of the available. very low stakes was treated like it was life or death. <laughs> I know, but it's like Jonathan's like, they're going to come for me. Like what you said, if the transmitter doesn't work, you're like, where's it transmitting to? <laughs> I know they were trying to raise the stakes, but like it couldn't get behind it. I was like, this doesn't feel that like a big deal Wait, now this kind of makes but... me like it better just because the stakes are <laughs> so low and okay we haven't even gone because i will say i mean the most entertaining parts in this are where they're like the clips of marcus rule just like being so mean to people on the radio and then when jessica schools him like i have a lot of stuff written down oh yeah those parts because i thought they were really funny and it is to your point earlier about him being a hunk like when they first showed him i wrote my notes is he a hunk and like question mark and it was like <laughs> no yeah he is he is they've just made him wear the outfit of a villain like yeah. he is wearing you know the goatee the clifted <laughs> hair the loud vest the crazy shirts the leather jacket it's like and then he gets on the horn and he's like so mean to everybody but in a way i mean but then it's like that morning zoo radio stuff where they have some, like the sound effects and things you're just like oh my god to listen to the radio in the 90s is just like amazing any of us have hearing my favorite was you've been overruled like so good. I mean, the did you also notice the abnormally large shoulder pads that like went past, mm. like they went past his shoulder, and then like I feel like puffed up like his upper. Yes. Like, yes. Mm -hmm. I thought they were gorgeous. Yeah. <laughs> his shoulders looked great. Yeah. The bigger the shoulder pad, the closer to God, right, Ashley? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ashley, so what's your, what's your complaint? What's my complaint? I'm sorry. I, I, yeah, you're right, Megan. I'm so sorry. Not complaining. It's all jealousy. Yeah. yeah we, ha we have another thing. Like, ever since Ashley pointed out the thing with Road Jam, <laughs> this radio station's called KGAB. KGAB. Uh, you that was one of my first no. notes. Uh, <laughs> also, the logo also looked like two people logo? making out. Yes. Yes. I like. I had to draw it down so that I remembered it. It's like the faces like on top of each other, and I know it's meant to be people talking, but it literally looks like they're making out. I drew it. I drew it. <laughs> oh, I haven't <laughs> seen the logo. I don't think I remember the logo. I don't so, either. Yeah, it is. It's <laughs> <the same>. oh. <laughs> Yeah. Oh. 
There is a gap between their mouths. You know what it reminded me of, Glenn, is it reminded me of the kiss from Reflections of the Mind where Scott was kissing his mistress and they're like, oh, (laughs) not very nice. When I post this episode, I said, send me this. Yeah. Oh, Megan, I already took down, I already deleted the episode. No, no, I don't want the real logo. I want the artistic talent that Glenn has added. (laughs) I just needed a visual representation to remember it. Like, I'm worried nobody caught it. I, I love that we're at the radio station and that we get to actually feel like we're included in radio stuff because sometimes we're in a world where we only sort of dabble into it and then we don't actually see anything of it. But there were a couple of bits when Danny says, if he gives you any static, it's like, gosh, oh. is that how radio people talk? They talk about like the oh. static is like a cool slang term for like yeah. a hard time. Let's make great yeah. radio together. Businessy oh. business, for sure. Yeah, yeah it's a lot of businessy business. Slang. <laughs> businessy business slang. <laughs> it's like, if I work at a radio station, do I get to use, like, cool radio lingo? And it's like, <laughs> I, yeah, I love it. Don't give me any static. static Don't give me no noise. static, guys. It's like <laughs> every time tight. Ashley says something rude to me, I'm going to go, Ashley... I'm not dealing with your static today. <laughs> I'm going to cut the... What did he say? When Ashley bashes um, Marcus's shoulder pads. Yeah. <laughs> Megan's going to give me a lot of static. A lot of static. <laughs> the real man's shoulder pads? Ashley, God. <laughs> also, it's so cool. I love it because he's like a shock jock in the like murder she wrote world right like the things he's saying aren't like nice but they're definitely not like so over like pushing over the all like the line like well no because howard stern did he not like he would say like a lot of sexual stuff yeah i mean here he's more like oh like someone calls in and he's like you're already sweaty brow i mean he comes in hard to her about like that she's a, a mayhem monger and like but no it's all silly terms i know what you mean yeah. megan it's like saying she's got daddy issues it's like that's not what howard stern uses daddy issues for it's like when he talks about that to women it's to like yeah. it is a lot more like sexual stuff whereas this is to basically be like you write murders because you you know you're a mayhem monger it's like that's like something to be on disney now <laughs> so like mild like I agree with you, Megan. And I Although wish quite mean. I wished I had written down her entire like burn of him, which was pretty good. When she's like, "You'll pardon the pun, you're dead wrong," and she's like, something about his tappy, pretentious pop psycho babble. Yeah, I wrote that one down too. That's all I got too. It was good. I mean, really good long line, and I was like, Ugh. and then he like doesn't know what to say, and she schooled him. That whole reaction she has to when he first starts saying stuff to her and she's like, excuse me, you obviously don't know who you're dealing with. I am later on going to yell at Louise just for being nice to me. So you better (laughs) buckle up because I'm going to be so mean to you. And then she goes on this whole tirade about that. And she has, I think this episode has the best burn, Jessica burn across the series, which is when she says, have you ever heard of Dostoevsky? He wrote about a man like yourself that like 
thinks that he can see through, you know, the facade and then makes fun of him because he doesn't know Dostoevsky's dead because he says, oh, we'll get interview him. And she says, oh, that would be quite a coup because he happens to have been dead for a hundred years. And he goes, and then she, he goes, okay, so what's the book called? And she goes, it's called The Idiot. And it's like, you got overruled. And behind the glass, Louise and Danny are just like, yeah, Jessica, you tell him. And it's like, he obviously does not know who he is dealing with. I mean, he didn't. He got outplayed pretty, pretty significantly. Oh, yeah, because at the very beginning, he's like, see if you can try to keep up or something like that when they're. Yeah. Okay, well, so I, that, that brings me to an interesting point. So then at the end, <laughs> she basically, they, like, basically, like, blast him and, like, keep him on air, and he, like, talks a lot of smack about, like, the town. Surely, once the guy that he was blackmailing has died, they can just fire him. But he's he's hot radio, Glennis. He's killer radio. That's why I am. Yes, but he also <laughs> thought he was getting a job in Chicago where he was going to have, like... No, I know that, but then he's still back on their air, mm. and then they, like, get him for, like, talking smack about the town, and then they're like, oh, gotcha, when surely they could just fire him. Yeah. But then they can't get their sweet, sweet revenge on him, <laughs> and when this episode yeah, ends fine. with Louise giving an A-OK hand gesture to Jessica and her saluting Louise... I was like, this might be my favorite ending. Because <laughs> they're just like, we got him, girl. <laughs> I did you earlier, but I'm okay with you now. <laughs> yeah, so I didn't really think there was anything, like, she was one, Louise is one of those characters that, like, Jessica was, like, kind of iffy about, but, like, I thought pretty consistently, like, I guess nice. the thing where she was trying to trick her into being a character witness, still not sure how that would work, but, like, <laughs> Other than that, like, I don't know. Louise didn't seem so bad. No, I thought she was fine. And, like, but Jessica, you know, she sees through everybody's motives, I guess. Even when the audience is like, wait, what's happening? (laughs) (laughs) But she never seems to really suspect Louise. She just sort of gives her a hard time. I don't want to delve too long into it, and you can edit this. I just, like, I don't understand that how her using the photos that are of herself would help Jessica to be a character witness. I think I still Right, because she's like, here's my sharpshooting award, so I'm good <laughs> with a gun. Here's, like, my wedding day photo, so you know that I am married to Colin. Like, here's my barn living room, um, so that you know I live in the 90s because everything is brown. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> it goes off the rails so quick where you're like, Oh, but she's also having an affair with David Osterman, even though that's never been... Why that would even need to be no. a thing. I, I don't like know. I do sharpshooting awards stuff. But they do this in Midsummer Murder all the time, where they're like, every single person in that town is like, <laughs> like a really good sharpshooter. Oh, no, I just had a quick question. Was she the one that was driving around all night? Rana was. Rana. Rana. 
because they're even though she's like, too young to have a driver's license right <laughs> <laughs> the there you have like you have to have your parents in the car <laughs> yeah she's not old enough to like be with her friends in the car yet she can only nah. drive by herself so i like, just think like yeah. when no one has an alibi they're always like i was just driving around all night <laughs> driving around Who drives like, around all I night i don't know i would never i would sit on my couch no. and like watch tv exactly here's what i would do ashley i would park myself on the couch i would put yeah probably a midsummer murders on i would get a pint of ice cream out of the fridge Mm -hmm. and i would house that thing as quick as humanly possible and then cry myself to sleep that is how i would handle any of these things (laughs) this is interesting If, if I ever get accused of murder, just this is what I was doing, okay? Just so we know where to baseline. Yeah. <laughs> right. I'm like, and this is what she told us like 10 years ago. So then we're <laughs> your character witnesses. Oh. I don't like being used, Susanna. Yeah, I don't Susanna. like being used. <laughs> I don't like getting played like this. <laughs> Real long game. It's a yeah, real long game. So long game. <laughs> I, it's, you're right, Megan. The, the characters aren't very memorable, apart from Marcus. I mean, that actor, though, is really good at playing, like, over-the-top people. Yeah. You know, and, like, I guess Danny, too, because I, I didn't remember he was in this episode, but he's in another one where he's her, like, writer friend. Do you remember that has a coronary and he's in the hospital and he's, like, an investigative journalist? But he's one of those guys that's, like, really schlubby. And, like, she worked for him briefly as, like, an intern or something. And you know which one I'm confusing it with is not to keep going back to Van Johnson, but where Van Johnson has died, I think it's called, like, Hannigan's Wake. And he Hannigan's Wake, yeah. I need to look at the one that this guy's in because I... He does look really familiar and like... Okay, so, so Harry Guardino and Angela Lansbury appeared in the original Broadway cast of Anyone Can Whistle, which one is of my, a musical. One of my favorite. <laughs> I don't know. But, so they are longtime buddies, I guess, these two. <laughs> Did you no. see that, um, that comment on our Facebook page? Sorry, I don't know the person. But they were saying that Angela Lansbury would offer work to people whose insurances were mm-hmm. about to lapse mm-hmm. um, because oh. they couldn't find work or they needed to do more like SAG work or yeah, something Su- like that. I didn't know that. Yeah, Susanna had said that like a long time ago that she let, you know, would have people keep giving them jobs so they could keep their SAG benefits. I think Greg Henry said that also. I mean, but this is like... God bless her. Like, she obviously had kind of hit the jackpot with the show. I mean, she was like a well-respected actress anyways, but the fact that she was going to bring her friends up with her is like, that wasn't a nice lady. (laughs) And she gave Len Carew a recurring role. I mean, and it's like, that is, you know, he gets to be a spy in his, like, 60s on a TV show. Like, how cool is that? Is that the British guy? The, yes, the MI6 agent. Yeah. Like, listen, they're not my favorite episodes. Although I have to say, I know Megan will disagree with me on this. I do like his spinoff episode because it has um, Marlena from Days in it as like this kind of dopey seeming American woman that's marrying into this Italian family. And I think it's something like she's also being investigated by 
MI6 and like the CIA or something. Do you remember this, Megan? And she's yes. like kind of. <laughs> no, it's actually I think she's really not, funny. Called the Sicilian Encounter, the Sicilian Affair. Like, it's actually not. A, I don't. My, I don't have the beef with Michael Haggerty that you potentially. I think. Okay, here's what I think. I think he's a tease, and I think he's mean to Jessica sometimes. And I think if he was at a good friend, he would just ask her out to dinner like the rest of them do and then <laughs> try to like try it on and she'd politely say no and then that would be it. Also, really like unrelated but quick fun fact, the guy that played Colin, the, the victim in this, played Ferris Bueller's dad in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, mm. which I didn't realize. There you go. I didn't know that. Yeah, there was a lot of like interesting work because the guy that played um, the sheriff was, I think, in a lot of Sons of Anarchy. Oh, so he these was guys... in 49 episodes. I looked <laughs> while we were watching it. We I mean, I never it. watched it, but I, I mean, haven't either. Great for him. Yeah. And um, Lindsay Krause is, was married to David Mamet. I know it should go by her credits, but so she's the mom of, the, of David Mamet's daughter that's in, that was in Girls. She also is in an amazing movie with Joe Montaigne. Yeah. Not the, but Bob Blair, the actor. I think it's called House of Cards or House of Games, like from the late 80s, early 90s, where they're running cons on people, and it's freaking amazing. Is it, What do I know her from then? Because she did say she was on Buffy, but I feel like it was a season I didn't watch of that. So it was like... But she, she looks so familiar to me. She's been in like a a ton of stuff. I mean, she. I mean, she's played like a judge several times on SVU, but I I don't think I don't know that you watch that. No, I don't really watch SVU. I watch regular Law and Order sometimes. I mean, the guy that played Jonathan wasn't in much. So it's like this funny mix of people that then went on to Marcus Rule. Apparently, was had a recurring role on Six Feet Under. Oh. Jonathan was in, um, he was in this series about the Vietnam War, like before this Murder, She Wrote episode, I was looking at it and it was like three years running. It was like 58 episodes. Yeah. And then the guy who played Marcus Rule was in this show V for a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. A bunch of shows from like late seventies, early eighties that, that I hadn't heard of, but it looked like they had like long credits. I mean, I guess it's good. The movie I was thinking of was called House of Games. It's from the late 80s, and it's her and Joe Montaigne, and it is so, so good. Is it funny, or is it just sort of, like, serious? Not really funny. Like, there, she just, she ends up getting caught up in this kind of, like, con artist lifestyle, and it's, like, a very, like, windy story, but really good. Right, okay. I mean, she, I thought she was good in this. I think she's, um... I th- thought she was a very good looking lady. I, she had one of my favorite outfits, which was that boot jean sort of brown jacket. Like it's sort yeah. of like a, it's sort of like farmer chic kind of outfit for lack of a better term. When she got out of her truck and she was marching in, she had those heeled boots on. I was like, actually, that's pretty cute. And she had the twin set French braids. I was like, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, they're quite tight, those braids, but you know. <laughs> What can you do? No, I, I I don't mind her. I don't have beef with her. But I, um, yeah, no, she was fine. 
I mean, it was Marcus Rule's episode. <laughs> it was all about, yeah, Marcus Rule. I mean, he's the one, like, when I think of the episode, that's all I remember. <laughs> I did write down that I actually didn't like any outfit. Uh, oh, okay. I liked Uh-oh. that one on Lindsay Krause, but I also really well, liked Jessica's yeah. pink shirt with her black blazer and her silver shell brooch. I thought for the 90s, it looked pretty uh, pulled together. We, um, I wasn't... I didn't like anything either, Glennis. Too much brown and burnt orange. It was a lot. I mean, if I liked anything, it was going to be anything that Marcus Rule wore because I thought it was so OTT. (laughs) But I will say he still kind of looked handsome in it, even though it was crazy. Yeah, yeah, no. But I I think wearing something that's over the top is different than favorite outfit because I wouldn't want to be caught dead in one of (laughs) shirt vest combo things. Like you're being really. I mean, it's like <laughs> his near like piano keyboard mess with like bells on it. Ashley, you're giving me a lot of static right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <Bro>. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, one thing we haven't talked about was that I feel like this is the first episode besides Amos with a cop who like comes to her first and is like you know a lot about this in like a non like ironic or like patronizing way and is like can you help me with this case right because he seems like an a smart guy totally like comprehensive going through everything by the book but he, yeah he was like oh I'll have, uh, if you ha- have anything you want to add like i'd love this to hear it never happened in an episode that we have watched thus far in my relatively fresh eyes a cop that's like out the gate like you're a smart lady let's do this together and had no stick yeah I agree Glennis I thought that was interesting because you're right normally we either get like some dope or we get somebody that's so distracted by her beauty (laughs) we don't know how the sheriff felt about her probably liked her too but I mean to be honest I thought Jonathan maybe a little bit at the beginning I was like he's coming in super hot it's like, don't you go for longer than 10 minutes. I need to take you to dinner and talk about stuff. It's like, it's too intense, Jonathan. That's no so wonder Ron broke up with you. Jonathan was just the worst. <laughs> he was so- the worst. But she's the worst with him. When she was sat there going, I should have never given you on the road. It's like, Jessica's got to take credit even for this. Even for him being wayward or whatever <laughs> And it's like, he was, yeah, he, oh God, he was so smug and annoying, but that's, wait, I am actually dying to know because I didn't see one. I have maybe an argument for what one could have been. Mm -hmm. Were there any window peeps? So I went with an obvious window peep here. (laughs) What do you think that might've been? Was it when you looked out his window of, of his studio and knocks at her to tell her to come in? No, I do, wait. Oh, well, was that? Oh, oh, there is that window peep. Forgot about that. I was talking about the window peepage that was done by Louise and Danny as Marcus Rule's getting lambasted by Jessica. Yeah, I, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I also loved when Marcus Rule then knocked on the window at the end of his first scene when Danny was sat there. And it was like, obviously, it was just plexiglass because it just sort of bowed a bit and <laughs> caught the light. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
<laughs> and he's like, oh, I don't, I don't actually think that real radio stations use plexiglass. I think it's just real glass. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> that made me giggle. Um, so I said it was all that. Yeah, it was like I, single ply plexiglass. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest with you guys. As soon as I realized it was a radio episode, I was like, see you. This window peep is gonna be easy breezy. <laughs> just everybody yeah. looking through windows all the time. I okay. I I I wasn't sure if those were gonna qualify, but I okay. Well, because I thought originally when they're driving and you're looking through the windscreen at the two of them. I was like, are we going to get a window peep from the car? But then we didn't. We just got words like public relations professional and side <laughs> shots of her minivan. No, it wasn't a minivan. It was like a Volvo station wagon or something. This show, she was really successful. <laughs> it was like the most dowdy car ever to go with her clothes. Oh, poor old Rana. She was only 24. Surely she should be having more fun than that. Dating yeah. dumb Jonathan. Yeah. Like, yeah. But who else is she going to date in this town? Everybody's an old man. Or, like, a monster. So, I guess Jonathan's it. Yeah. What about that uh, bellboy? <laughs> what about <laughs> the bellboy that had the shaved head? Do you remember that look from the 90s where it was like sort of floppy curtains on top and then shaved all around the base of the head yeah. so that the curtains sort of hang a bit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't even remember him. I don't know. <laughs> it was either. like a passing. He didn't have a line or anything. I just was like, that guy is 90s. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do feel that her options were limited, but she didn't also have to stay in that town if she was... Yeah, Jessica could give her a copy of On the Road, and then she'd be on the road. <laughs> and be, like, super judgy about how her dad is. Like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Then she could be an insufferable jerk, just like Jonathan. I could drove around for hours looking for her. <sighs> and then Jessica goes, it's kind of a small town. You telling me <laughs> you couldn't find her? Yeah, yeah, where's, just, the, where's the driving around? Also, if they're driving around all night, where are they? Are they just going in a circle? Like just <laughs> yeah. Right. And, like, can you notice someone's car that well at night? Like no. If she's got a big chunky old station wagon, maybe you'd be like, that car looks I like it should so. be driven by a family of five. <laughs> Yeah, wasn't it like it was at a tourist station wagon with like wood paneling or something? Oh yeah, the wood paneling. Mm -hmm. She's a successful professional. (laughs) Um, There were that was yeah that was funny. I liked that in the studio of Marcus Rule there were like flashing light murals. Did you see that? They didn't seem to have anything to do with the radio, but it's like that would be so distracting if that was on all the time. It's horrible to watch. Yeah, and I feel yeah, like it, it looked it's, awful. It stopped um it like stopped moving when he was recording. Like when he started Oh did I, don't know. Did I don't know. Maybe I maybe it just stopped because they were like, oh, I don't know where I was going with that thought. I clearly spaced out, but I'm just, I think the, <laughs> feel, free cut, feel free to cut this part. Um, no, but the murals, I think I felt like they stopped when they started recording and I was like, oh, so the murals are just decoration until you start recording that. I don't know. I did, like didn't understand them. There's a lot of that lighting thing this where it's like. Doing one of these on a Monday. <laughs> like, I know. It's just like, 
This is Ashley on a Monday. No, everyone, everyone on a Monday. Well, it's also like, listen, we don't work at radio stations. We don't know how it works there. Maybe they all have light murals that go off when you're recording. And it's like, <laughs> if the light mural is flashing, you do not speak. You save it for the air. Mm-hmm. I, one of my favorite bits was when they, <laughs> you know, it's weird. she should have liked Louise and been nicer to her because Louise not I only thought. read her books, but quoted yeah. one. She said, love makes fools of the very young and the very old. That's from one of your books. Ah, uh, yes, the corpse danced at Vespers. <laughs> Isn't that what she said? Yes, yes. yes. It's, the, it's the corpse dance at Vespers, and that was Sergeant Grady that said the line. That's right. And is this a sequel to the corpse dance at midnight? Do we think maybe? How do you dance it? What are Vespers? How do you it's, dance at Vespers? Is Vespers like e- evening Even day? song? Is that the prayer? It, it's, a, it's a prayer thing, isn't it? Yeah, I thought it was a prayer. So I don't know how you dance at prayers. You just twilight prayer. Listen, the corpse does what it likes, Ashley. Corpse loves to dance. It's gonna dance. It's gonna dance. Midnight vespers, whatever. Just a sweet, sweet boogie down. Yeah, like I don't. What does it mean? Is it literally, or is it like a figurative? I mean. I don't know. I did. Is I it? The- wait, are her, all her books about like the trials and tribulations of like a corpse that just wants to? Our <laughs> <laughs> corpse is like, I just want a goddamn dance. No is it the guy from Hocus Pocus? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my! God. <laughs> just, just wants to get down and boogie. That's yeah. it. I thought Danny quoted a book of hers too. He had read some the Bible. Oh my God, no, <laughs> it was uh, it was something to do with the horse racing. So maybe inspired by that Tracy McGill episode where it was like about the Grand National or something, right? Or like something. Oh God, what did he call it? Oh yeah, because he was betting on horses, right? Yeah, I can't remember what the book title was. I should have written it down. I didn't understand. There's so many quotes going at her. Kind of confusing, where it's like he pretended he won the money on the horse, but really he had, and he was just gonna, and he was like, "I'll give you 400 bucks because I won this money on the horse." But he's just doing that to be like, "Oh, you're my give himself an alibi." Mm -hmm. So I I just. (laughs) I guess back in the day, you could only bet on horses if you were at that track, like in person or something. But yeah, that was. There's a lot of horse race talk, which I was like, I always tune out a little bit. I was like, I don't know, 20 to 1, is that good? <laughs> oh, unnecessary. <laughs> yeah, it does feel a little like, okay, let's just stick with radio. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, it felt like too many, um, like, too many things, like, in the, I don't know, I feel like too many things in the stew. Like, for some reason, the image mm. of a stew is coming to mind, and I'm like, you didn't need to add horse racing, but, like, Mm-hmm. no there was a lot we should have just stayed in the station like i feel like at least with the sound of murder we don't often leave the uh music industry building or whatever but like this one we had to go <laughs> to that cocktail party for the new transmitters launch you can tell she already doesn't want to be there and then she gets ditched by jonathan within like two seconds of arriving there she's like 
great. Now I have to be at this small town party where I literally know nobody except for like two people that work at the radio station. It was a cocktail party at like 2 p.m., 1 p.m., like middle of the day. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's the right time for a murder. (laughs) (laughs) You nailed it. I just feel like being forced to spend any amount of time with Jonathan would be like torture. It'd be like hell on earth. It, like, is all he gonna do, like, <laughs> quote Kerouac to me and talk about like oh counterculture? God, I'd rather die. Yeah, he. And also, isn't he kind of a creep for like chasing after Rana when she's obviously with this other guy? I know it's like not a very positive relationship. But he's like, she'll come around. Like I always get what I want, and it's like, yeah, gross. Like, yeah. And then, and then when she says, "Oh, I made a mistake," he's like, "I've got to think about it." Or something. Like you were like desperate for her to get. You know, you're just like, oh, now you're gonna give her a hard time because you're obviously annoying. <laughs> because he dated her first and then she ditched him for the other guy and then she was like wants him back is that well and the thing is like i guess did she want him back or she just wanted to say sorry but it's like he has like classic nice guy syndrome where it's like i'm being nice to you so right we're gonna be together right like blah, 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 blah. And she's like maybe she does not want to be your girlfriend bro if she's happy to leave you for Colin Crow. I don't know. I thought Colin was like a handsome guy, and I would have rather, much rather had him sure. than Jonathan. He wasn't bad. Look, he wasn't bad looking. Jonathan. He seemed not that fun though. Colin. Colin? Yeah, not, no, yeah. he didn't seem fun, and he wasn't like a nice guy. So it was like, it was such an obviously not nice guy. Andy did that thing that Grady did, where we talked about the other week, where his foundation made his lips the same tone as the rest of his face. It's like I can't be dealing with this again. I uh, I, I watched that episode the other night at mom and dad's house, and like <laughs> I hadn't really noticed this issue with the foundation <laughs> before. But then when they put it on, I was like, oh my god. <laughs> Are we ever gonna be able to watch this show again? Like, is are we just like ruin this for ourselves? It's like, I like to keep walking. Like, just the the level, like the depth of the foundation. This is why I was saying before: if you have deep set lines, you cannot wear a lot of foundation on your forehead because it just sits in them. So I noticed that. Where <laughs> you crinkle on. your forehead and put it on at the same time. <laughs> It's like when you it's like when you're putting eyeliner on and you stretch out your eyelid like this and then you let it go and it just like sits in your wrinkles and you're like, uh-oh, uh-oh, should have done that. Yeah, very familiar. Or it's like you put on like one layer where you stretch it out and it's like a lighter layer and then you like scrunch yes. it up in like a darker layer. So yeah. then like when you like release your your eyes your brow. <laughs> It just like really pops. You really want to highlight it. <laughs> oh, the joy of makeup! But yeah, it's like a tiger. It's like a tiger stripe brow or I mean tiger stripe forehead. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, wait. So, who is everyone's like favorite guest star? None, zero. I guess Mar. I guess Marcus Rule, right? Was it Marcus? For, I, sure. for me, it probably was him. I thought yeah, he, I think I thought he did a good job with a pretty sticky bit, but it's like, I actually thought he was funny and stuff. So I thought he did a pretty good job. That bit where he and Colin Crow are like 
facing off against each other and <laughs> the camera goes back and forth between them like staring at each other like four times she's like whoa there's a lot of rage in this room and then he storms <laughs> off and they're like oh yeah, god okay. I, I thought he like worked hard you know he like got into his role yeah of course he did i thought he was great i mean sure. who else do you remember the episode just ended who else do you remember from this episode other than him nobody else jonathan no <laughs> Ronna, face no. the bellhop or the no. bus boy or whoever has the curtain haircut <laughs> the, the bellhop. <laughs> i don't know why that stood out to me so much it like took me back to like camp <laughs> or something where like every guy had that haircut you know? no, no, it was very popular yeah. in the 90s yeah you wanted like oh it part. was this is the this is what we had to work with at the time. Yeah, you should feel sorry for us. It's like, oh right, great. So you paid somebody I... to do that to your head. Oh. <laughs> I mean, to be fair though, it's sort of coming back. Yeah. And oh yeah. No, you. I've been watching a lot of like so like children's TV presenters and stuff, and the '90s are back a hundred percent. I was like. I feel like it's they've like come back, back and just time. not left. I saw a lady, this was like maybe six months ago, and she had all those like tiny top knots that were like <gasps> circa like, like early 90s. Yeah, like music video. And like this was like an active choice. She was also wearing a crop top with like a leather blazer and like, um, I don't know, like stretchy flares. And I it was just, there is a, a special lot. place in hell for whoever brought the crop top back. Seriously, that is the meanest thing you could possibly do <laughs> to women. It's like, you know how you have clothes to like cover your body and maybe bits of your body you don't like that much? We're just going to cut it in half so that you have to show <laughs> your stomach. Like, oh, cool, cool. Yeah, I've got the self-esteem to pull that off. Like, perfect. Can't wait. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. But I look forward to buying some overalls soon. I'm sure that's the no. next step for me. I, can't I have a pair. I got a pair at Target, and I feel like it was probably one of the best decisions I've made. <laughs> I mean, not it so mad about the overalls. Healthy. I have to say. Um, but the one thing is that when you go to the bathroom, the straps could fall into the mm. toilet, and I forgot about that. Yep. That's a that's a real that's like when you have to take a jumpsuit off to go to the bathroom and you're like you're just oh, naked on it. the toilet. Yeah, you're like, I hope this lock holds. Oh my god. Yeah, I know that is. You're just so vulnerable just yeah, sitting there. I hope no one walks in and that the lock isn't funny. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no, they oh god, sorry, this is really quick and then I'll, we'll move on to the last little bit. It was in the Netherlands for this thing for work. And we went to a biker bar, but not like a motorcycle bar, like a cyclist bar. <laughs> so it was all like bicycle stuff everywhere and like bike jerseys and stuff. And the bathrooms were like, it was all very eco, like that sort of thing. So I guess it also meant that they had like no functioning locks, but the door was at such a distance away from the door. You couldn't put your foot up to keep it shut. So the number of people that must have opened the door to see me just like on the toilet. No. <laughs> one right after the other. And I don't speak Dutch. So I was going, sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry. And they're just like looking at me like, 
uh, <laughs> American. <laughs> but I also think because it was Europe, they were like, eh, whatever. We leave the doors open, you know, the public toilets here, so it's fine. <laughs> I'm just kidding. They don't do that. They don't do that. Don't do that if you go to the Netherlands. <laughs> <laughs> just been from the Netherlands. Thank you. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, this woman told me you could just leave the door open when you went to go for a week. <laughs> uh, um all right so Wait, did, the- i don't feel like ashley and gwyneth said who their favorite guest star was i feel like they oh did. sorry i said i can't tell you anyone like uh, they marcus yeah sure <laughs> and, oh and glynis's guest was marcus as well although in yes. fairness you said danny first and i think you meant did, oh, we're gonna but- go with danny I was, but again, I just looked through the IMDb list and I was like, who is this person? And I couldn't recall who it was. So that's giving me a little too much credit. So I did go with Marcus. It felt like he had a lot against the guy and he did sneak away as soon as they found out that he was dead. Like they, they're at the like announcement and all of a sudden everyone's like, oh my God, there's a guy dead and they all magically know he's dead even though they can only see it from the vantage of looking up and it would just look like he's just like fallen down and maybe someone should call 911 but so when they found that out he snuck away and I that looked quite obvious and then they never really addressed it yeah I mean yeah I, I think this was a tough one it, it just because I think originally you don't didn't you kind of think oh Marcus is gonna get it right because he's so disliked a hundred percent I that is what I thought there's a later shock talk episode well now I don't even remember in that one what happens but the anyhow yes I thought he maybe was gonna but then I was like oh this husband's so naughty that's who's gonna get it Mm. but it's it's complicated you didn't know that he was like in love with her since she was like 19 and he was in his 40s i mean why did they write that they could have just been like i was trying to protect her because i thought colin was taking something away that she loved and i would miss working with her and stuff like that it's just like i don't know it it was a weird thing to add in i thought definitely um all right so let's go through the beats really quick no thunder no secret doors it was a shooting which I feel like in the 90s we get more shootings. I think that becomes more prevalent. No phone wire cutting, no she shaking. We're in the 90s now. We're not doing no more she shakes. Um, window peep, I said. Fake name ID, <laughs> mm, not really. <laughs> yeah, I, I now I delivered my <laughs> dissertation on that subject. Um, fake name ID, no, we didn't have one really. The fuzz slash cop quirk is just... She just seems like a totally competent guy and was nice to Jessica. Yeah. And he did have a, um, whatchamacallit, like a recorder, like a voice recorder thing. And he was recording about the crime as he was like examining the scene. But that's like a, most police officers, I think, do that now. And he was going, the shooter was certainly no Annie Oakley. It's like, oh, okay, a little commentary in there. Um, cop chemistry no businessy business radio stations i think we've talked about that you know i think we all now know how to run a radio station yeah. hire a shock jock <laughs> and i guess a therapist because this is fraser time right it's fraser on the air by 1993 oh but cheers would have been right so was he a radio fraser, therapist in cheers he was- i think fraser's 94 so we're saying murder she wrote 
gave them that idea. You're welcome. Cheers. Spinoff. AJ, nothing but a number. I think we've covered smooches. We just had one between Colin and his mistress, which I don't even think they kissed on the mouth or maybe a little bit. They did in front of the car. I mean, she was acting like that was a super sexy thing that happened. I was like, "Mm, I don't know about that. Um, familial ties, no, it's just a friend of a publisher's lawyer, lawyer's, uh, you know, it's like, wow, that's quite a (laughs) stretch. And then eyes closed, head shake. I did double check. She did not do that. I thought she might, but she didn't. I guess now we're on to favorite moments and overall rankings. So Megan, do you want to go first? Yeah. I like when she just like destroys him at the, in the interview. Mm-hmm. And how does it rank overall? High rating, medium rating, low rating. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to do this, but because I actually think Marcus Roll, you know, he did what he could with this episode. I I might give it like a five because I yeah. just felt that the side characters, and I'll just say it, including Lindsay Krause, mm-hmm. not so interesting. Okay. I'm sorry. And I thought there were parts of it that they made needlessly confusing. Yeah. <laughs> not not yeah. menace anyone confusing, but like <laughs> Well, there was, you're right, there was some lines where I literally like tuned out for a second. And I came back in and I was like, wait a minute, I feel like they said something important and I missed it and I don't know. <laughs> oh, that's what I felt when he said it. He's like, and I had Lindsay and I had to go to Vietnam and I was like, wait, what? Like, <laughs> the exposition at the beginning of this episode was like, just dump, 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 dump. So she's in the car with the girl. And at first you're like, does she know the girl? Does yeah. she not know the girl? And then she says, well, as a public relations professional, and you're like, okay, she works in PR. I got that. She works for for a radio station. Okay, okay, okay. You're just trying to keep up with all these people. And then I missed the bit. (laughs) Jonathan said he was talking so long about his stupid life that when he finally got to the bit that we would care about, which is, I did he go to school for engineering or something to learn to do the transmitter or something where he's like, no idea. I did something and I just tuned out for one second. And then he's like, so now I'm building the transmitter. And if it doesn't work, I'm going to be in trouble. To me, it was confusing about if he'd gone to law school first and then dropped out and then went to engineering school. Like, I don't know what order that all happened in, but that's, and what, how engineering school would be less boring than law school, they'd probably equally pretty boring. He's like, couldn't handle stuffed shirts. And I'm like, it's all pretty. Well, and it's funny because he's going on and on about what, like, sort of tight, like, horrible people lawyers are. And it's like, you would fit in, bro, so good. Like, you are so up yourself. I feel like you'd make a great lawyer. <laughs> just kidding, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Wait, okay, so don't come for me, lawyer. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, guys, I gotta go. No, I'm just kidding. But um, no, I agree. Like, I, I, uh, Jonathan and Rana, and I, they were just all so boring. Anyway, wait, where do you guys rate this? So yeah, I think yeah, I have, sorry. I think I'm going five. Five. Okay, Glennis, what was your favorite moment and ranking? Oh, Glennis got four. <laughs> favorite um, moment. I... My favorite moment was probably 
when Jessica came out and found him sat on the hood of his car because it was just so ridiculous, especially for someone who's in his mid thirties to be like, I'm having a temper tantrum and I'm going to sit on the hood of my car and wait for someone to find me. <laughs> You're like, well done, Jonathan. Bravo. And, and I give it a four. I give it a solid four. Yeah. God. I, okay, I, Ashley, what do you think? Yeah. I'd give it a Oh, um I don't know. I she's like, can I give it twelve points? Loved it. <laughs> it really wasn't one of my favorites. I really didn't like it that much. Um I mean, the one thing that stood out was when I figured out that the radio station's call letter is spelled K-Gab. Oh. So. <laughs> Ashley, I'll never not write it down because of you. I know. Ever since I know. you said you wrote it down, I was like, I got to write them down now. Um, and I guess sitting on the hood of the car was pretty funny to me. <laughs> um, and what, and your ranking? Oh, like a four, I think. Yeah. 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 The, it's funny i think the the 80s ones that are bad always have like a certain flair to them i'm not sure if it's because they have better not that this didn't have good guest stars but like that there's more drama in the storytelling like they match it's a little more theatrical and stuff. so even something like what was the one last week that we did oh the horace one mm-hmm. it's like that had such over the top stuff and really memorable stuff and even though it wasn't that great of an episode, it's still, it's not boring. Whereas, yeah, I thought, I thought Marcus Rule tried his best to keep it all going. But mm-hmm. I, you know, with, when he wasn't in it, you're just praying to God he's in it all the time because he's <laughs> great. But it's like, um, when he showed up at the cocktail party, I was like, phew, we don't have to hear about David Osterman anymore. Um, <laughs> he, <laughs> I, I like the interview bit. That's my favorite part. And, I would give this, yeah, maybe a four sounds right to me. Mm-hmm. It, it, I would say the bits with Marcus Rule are great, and they should just be a collection of like sound bites, and then everything else is like you don't need to watch it because who cares? I um yeah, it's hot stuff, hot takes. No, no, we're I losing think- fans here. <laughs> yeah, I think we're all on the same same page. I love the name of the episode though, Killer Radio. I think yeah. that is great. Yeah. Remember when killer was a word people used a lot in the 90s? That is like, Murder, She Wrote, you did it again. Naming these titles, the best. Um, okay, so is there anything else anybody else wants to add? Check your notes. No? No, no I, I also like the Corp danced at Vespers. <laughs> I thought I misheard it. Truly, I wrote it down. I was like, people will correct me when we get to that point in the episode. <laughs> well, no, because I had I had corpse at Vespers, but then I think it's corpse dance. Corpse danced at Vespers. Anyway, I'm sure, she said dance, but then it all happened so quickly. Them saying all this stuff that I was like, I wish I'd been writing this down faster. I think- I think that was the problem with this episode is there was too much dialogue and too much information. And so yeah. like stuff gets buried and I don't know. I felt like maybe that was maybe that and like just too many things. The horse racing really pushed it over the edge for me. So yeah, it was too, too many things. Too many things. I agree. And, and then you lose out on the gems, like the corpse danced at Vespers. It's like, that should be, 
we should be highlighting that like the killer called collect it's like oh i have a chance to write that down thank you very much person that gave me that line um but yeah anyways um so yeah so we'll hopefully cover a different episode next time. <laughs> <laughs> a different episode <laughs> i'm just kidding even the bad ones are great guys so watch them all um but yeah thank you very much for listening we oh just really quick just to say we have a facebook page up and running now um if you just look up cabot coverage that's that's us um and thank you so much to everybody that's that's liked it and joined the page and yeah thank you very much for listening we hope you'll listen again next week thank you bye. thank you bye bye, bye.